what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely Once again, it's the Buckets Podcast. It's Raheem Palmer, Brandon Anderson, and y'all know how it's going down. We got some big things planned for you today. We're talking NBA awards. We're talking make or miss the playoffs. So we got a good show for you coming up. Brandon, how you doing today? Doing well. Yesterday was wild, dude. We had the March Madness bracket come out. That thing gets upstaged by your boy, Tom Brady, back in action and we are zooming toward the NBA finish line. It was a big sports weekend. Oh, yeah, absolutely huge. You know, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. Like I always say, he's like a Alonzo from Trade Day. You give him 18 months, he'll give you a career. And fortunately, his career isn't over because he's coming back. We'll see if he wins another Super Bowl. But let's get into it. Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. They faced off for the first time since 2019. But the real thing everybody wants to know is who has the edge in the MVP race? Joel Embiid is a minus 125 favorite. Jokic is plus 145. What's your thoughts on the MVP race right now? I think that the books might be a little slow here. I think the books might have the number backwards. It feels like Nikola Jokic has slightly taken the lead here, but... I know you and Matt talked about this on the MVP uh, podcast a couple weeks ago. This game, we're taping Monday. By the time that folks listen to this on Tuesday, we will have seen what happened on this Monday night game. I think it's a bigger opportunity for Jokic. And Bita has a lot to lose here. If you get punked by Jokic and nobody else, you're done. I I think Jokic becomes the immediate MVP favorite there. If you win, well, you have James Harden, you have Tobias, you have Maxi. Like, you're supposed to win. You're the favorite. So I think it's a big opportunity for Jokic. The other thing I want to say, too, I I think Giannis MVP odds probably dead. Maybe not totally dead, but it's going to take a big collapse from both guys. But I do think it could come into play here because there's going to be some ballots where Giannis is not third on the ballot. He's going to finish ahead of either of these guys or both of them. And the most logical way for him to finish ahead of someone is for the Bucs to finish ahead of the Sixers in the standings. And then a voter to look at them be like, well, Embiid has Harden, and Giannis has kind of carried the box. Middleton hasn't been great this year. They missed a lot of time from those guys. Don't I have to put Giannis ahead of him on the same standings argument that Embiid has had the whole year? Do you think Giannis could pick up some second-place votes here? To me, I think Jokic finishes first or second in almost every ballot. He's been so good, he has to. I think Embiid could finish third behind Giannis on some of the ballots and that that could actually end up mattering in the, in the vote tally. What do you think? I just don't think Giannis has the, he just doesn't have the narrative this year and he's just not a part of the story enough for him to finish second. Now, when I look at my MVP model, which I will be updating tomorrow, I have a Jokic, Giannis and Embiid, but right now Embiid is actually leading the league in scoring. I mean, he's barely leading the league in scoring, but I just think he has that narrative with him not having Ben Simmons most of the year. And then also with the fact that last year he was slated to win MVP before he got hurt. So I think Giannis is kind of almost drawing dead. Maybe he'll pick up some votes, but I think it's a two-man race at this point. Yeah, I think it probably is. I'm seeing Jokic at plus 170 at DraftKings. I think I have to nibble at that a little bit. Uh, Personally, I've got a lot of MVP positions, so I think I'm probably done at this point. 
I've got Embiid, I've got Jokic, I have Giannis, I have Steph. Goodbye to that one. Mm-hmm. So I think I can have my position here. But if you're a new better at plus 170, if, if we're saying, if I'm saying that Jokic is maybe the slight favorite and could be a significant favorite-ish if, if they win this game, then I, I think there's some value there. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Now let's move on to Coach of the Year. You wrote an article on Coach of the Year. Can anybody steal the Coach of the Year from Monty Williams? What's your thoughts on this? So I think they can. I, I don't know that this is unlocked for Monty Williams. I know the argument here. The Suns have been awesome all year. They're the one seed. They have the best record in the league. Everyone loves Monty Williams. We love Monty. We want to reward the Suns. They don't have an MVP candidate. They don't have the most improved. Monty is the obvious choice. However, he doesn't really fit the coach of the year pattern. So Tibbs was a bit of an outlier last year, but before him, the last 10 coach of the year guys, one average of 59.6 wins. So the Suns are kind of on the right pattern for that. That's about where they're going to get to you. But two things that they did. Number one, they all won 11.2 games per average more than the previous year. The Suns last year paced to 58 wins. They are not getting anywhere near that 11.2 better. And they all exceed expectations. And we know that by the over-under, all 11 beat their over-under by at least six and a half wins and nine of the last 11 by double-digit wins. That's the thing the Suns haven't done this year. We knew they were good. We knew they were going to be this good. So I don't know that Monty actually fits what the voters have told us with their voting history that there's going to win here. At the very least, I certainly wouldn't be putting money on Monty at this point. What do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Monty is that this is kind of the let's reward a guy that we didn't reward previously. Look, this guy went eight and in the bubble. Then he comes out, and I know they got Chris Paul, but he took that team to the NBA Finals. And typically, the coach of the year is, is, is the guy who's taking their team, you know, to a top one or two seed. But last year, Thibs just happened to coach in New York, so they rewarded him. So I think you may have some voters who say, look, we didn't give it to Monty Williams each of the last two years. Let's reward him now. Um, I do think bigger staff is probably the coach of the year in terms of doing the most with less, but it's tough to put you in a situation to where you're actually picking them the way the Cavs are slipping. So I'm I'm kind of staying out of this one. I'm not going to bet on bigger staff. I think that he would get my vote if I had one. The problem is, and we're going to talk about the Cavs more again on a couple ways later. The problem is the Cavs are fading and you don't want to, you don't get excited about voting for a team that feels like they peaked a month or two ago. And it's not his fault. You know, they're, they're all hurt. There's nobody left here. And they're already way, way better than we thought. Like we had the Cavs as one of the five bottom teams coming into the season. So did everyone. Everyone thought that they were in the mix with, you know, with the Pistons, with the Magic. So I can't bet uh, Bickerstaff. The problem is he's plus 400. You're better off play the division instead or something. You need him to get up the standings if you like it. So there's a better odds there. There's three guys I like here. It's real quick. I like Spolstra. I like Taylor Jenkins from Memphis. And I like a little nibble on Udoka from Boston. So that's plus 700 on Spo and Jenkins and plus 4,000 on Udoka. If you want to like build a little, you know, build something together as a way to fade Monty. Spo has the same argument as Monty. He's never won coach of the year. He's got, you know, rewarding from past accomplishments. Miami's the one seed. They've been missing all those guys all year. Uh, Miami does need to win a lot to fit the pattern that I mentioned. Taylor Jenkins fits the pattern. The Grizz have gone way over expectations. 
They're past their over under already. They're already on pace for 55 wins. And Udoka is a long shot. But if the Celtics keep rising, they actually have a shot at the one seed right now. And if they get to the one seed, I got to think he gets it. So I would build a position around those three here. Really like that. I, I think you, you summed that up well. You guys can rebrand this article at theactionnetwork.com. Next, we're going to break down the scoring title. And I'm really interested in this one because MB has led the league in scoring for most of the season. And now he has James Harden. So he doesn't have to do as much. And, you know, they're talking about actually resting their players coming up to the playoffs. We heard Glenn Rivers say that. But I think there's a, a guy who's very intriguing. I'm looking at LeBron James at plus 130 because we all know the Lakers, they're not a good team. And they're in danger of missing the playoffs. And you have a guy in LeBron James who is on pace to be the all-time leading scorer of the NBA and past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He doesn't have much to play for. So I kind of like LeBron James. But I know you wrote an article on this too. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, when I wrote, LeBron was actually the third favorite here behind Embiid and Giannis. And I liked him. He was at plus 310 then. I recommended betting him. And he's had two 50-point games since the break. He's averaging 33 points a game since the break, 33 points a game without Anthony Davis for the whole season. If he keeps up that average with 13 games left, he's going to get over 30 points a game. That's about 30.4. He would have a very, very good chance of winning if it gets to something over 30. So I think he's got a, a pretty good shot here. The question for me on this one is who wants it? I don't think Giannis cares. I don't think of these guys. I don't think Giannis really gives a rip about adding a scoring champion trophy to the mantle. He's got a few other trophies up there. LeBron hasn't had this one for over a decade. LeBron wants to be the oldest scoring champ. He would pass a guy named Michael. That's kind of an important thing for LeBron James. So I think he's got the motivation. Embiid does have the motivation, especially if it feels like the MVP is slipping away. I thought his scoring would slip more than it has without Harden or with Harden. He's averaging 32 points a game with Harden. So I think Embiid should be the third favorite here, but I actually, I wouldn't bet him. I think that he could still slip, but the numbers haven't gone down yet. Um, and I'm a little worried that there could be some games where he sees like a, a minute's limit or, you know, as they're kind of resting, getting healthy for the playoffs. I'm worried that there could just be a couple random, like a 12 point game or something that throws the numbers off. But, you know, if it gets down to it and it's close, couldn't you see them just beating Embiid all game long, like just over and over in the post and just James just wants him to get it. And it's like Embiid just puts up like 40 shots for a night. Couldn't you see that? Yeah, I can totally see it. It's like very reminiscent of David Robinson on the last game. And I think it was the 1994 season where they actually fed him and fed him. He scored 71 points to take home the, the scoring title. We could see something like that. And then, I mean, MB has doubled the motivation because he's obviously wants that MVP award. It's going to be very interesting down the stretch because it's, it's laser close. Got to shout one more guy here. I think this is genuinely a four man race. Luka Doncic can win the scoring championship here. Luka is averaging over the last 23 games. Luka's at 32.4 points a game. That is mm-hmm. not a small sample. So his scoring like that would be a clear favorite to win scoring champion. He missed a bunch of games early. So these upcoming games are weighted a little bit more than these other guys he's competing against. Since the Porzingis trade, he's 34.2 points a game. He's got 14 games left. That's more than a couple of these guys, too. I think he has a real shot. If LeBron or Embiid get above 30, I don't think Luka can get there. It would take some, some you know, two or three huge games from him. 
But even at the pace that Luke has been scoring just over the last 20 games or so, he's going to get to around 29-3, 29-5, somewhere in that range. And if you're that close, you're like an extra 20-point quarter away from winning the scoring title. So plus 2,600. He's, he's not the favorite. He's a long shot. But the numbers say that he's not as far out of this as what the, the math has here. So I have to play Luca a little bit. I still think he can win this. Be careful, too. Check the rules at your book. Make sure it says must play 58 games. Because if it doesn't say that, Kevin Durant might actually win this award, too. Katie put up 53 on Sunday, and he's got a shot to win scoring title as well. So be careful with that one and, and maybe take a nibble on him if you get a really long number at him. He's not going to be eligible to win the actual scoring title at 58, but he could get there. I agree with you. I mean, look, Kevin Durant, I mean, he's absolutely amazing. But we got the rookie of the year race, which is like really, really interesting. Evan Mobley is supposed to take home this award based on how he's played most of the season. The books have him priced at minus 470. And you got Scotty Barnes creeping up on him at plus 450. Because when you look at these two guys' stats, it feels a lot closer. Evan Mobley is at 14.9 points, 8.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists on 50% shooting, 15.8 PER, 4.7 win shares. But when you look at Scotty Barnes, he's at 15.2 points, 7.6 rebounds, 3.3 assists on 49% shooting. He actually has the higher per at 16.3 and more win shares at 5.1. So I think you made the argument that this rookie of the year race isn't over. What are your thoughts on this? Does Scotty Barnes have a chance to come through the back door and steal this? I think the back door is cracked. I thought the back door was slammed shut a month ago, and I thought Mobley had this under wraps. Matt and I have talked several times on previous podcasts about putting Mobley, John Morant, parlaying these as just like, this is unlocked, put it in with some other awards. I'm getting a little nervous. I, I, I can tell you this. I will not be putting Evan Mobley parlayed into some of my other bets right now. He's basically about 80% favorite to win this based on what the books are putting up as a number. I think that's about right. So I don't know that I see a great value here. The problem is this. You mentioned Scotty. Scotty's at 18 and nine since the break, three stocks per game. The other guy that's closing hard is Cade Cunningham. Since the break, Cade Cunningham is at 22, seven and six. That's like a all-star numbers that you're putting up there. And I don't know what you do with that. This is historically a award that we just give to numbers. We don't care how bad you are. And it feels like Mobley is going to finish with the third best numbers of these three guys. Like Scotty's going to pass him. He's already about even. Cade is maybe ahead already. Cade's averaging more points and more assists, and his numbers are going up more. Mobley's argument is, well, I'm so good. I have great defense. My team has been awesome. The Cavs overachieved. What if that's not so true of the Cavs anymore as they're slipping back here? I know you're fading the Cavs overall. Do you feel like that should play in here? I do think it should play in here, but you have to wonder how much a lot of times with some of these awards, the first half of the season, and we all know the all-star break isn't, it doesn't represent the half of the season. It's more like a six of the way through or, you know, almost 75% of the season. So a lot of that kind of weighs in heavily and it's tough for a guy to catch up. So I think that's why you see it reflected in the odds in this manner. But I, I, when I look at it, I do see Scotty Barnes 
as being worth a flyer at plus 450, um, especially if you have some Evan Mobley stock already, just because, I mean, the Cavs are fading. The Raptors are making their way up the standings. And you also have to remember that OG Ananobi isn't playing. It's Scotty Barnes has put up some monster games and they're really dependent on him for this, this playoff chase. So I do think there's some value there, but um, let's move on to defensive play of the year. This is probably the hardest award to analyze right now because you've had a lot of these guys get hurt. You had Draymond Green get hurt. You had Gobert miss time. He's plus 125. Adebayo's plus 150. Giannis is plus 600. A guy I really love this year, Jaron Jackson Jr., is at plus 1,600. So who, who are you picking for defensive player of the year? Where do you find that there's some value at? Yeah, so this race is really fascinating to me. And this is the one that I, I kept watching. You know, we all were on Draymond Green early in the year. I think me, you, and Matt all gave out Draymond 33 to 1. Looked like the guy. It was basically a wrap. And then he got hurt. And then I was like, okay, well, who is it then? And Rudy Gobert has basically been the default favorite since then. And I just don't think Rudy's going to win. So if you look at, this is an individual award, of course. This is a team award. We give the award to an outstanding defender on a top five defense. Since 2008, every defensive player of the year has been on a top five defensive rating. All but three, top three. If you look at Gobert, the Jazz are ninth in defensive rating. They're not getting into that top five. Look at the last four seasons. The Jazz finished second, second, 13th, and fourth in defensive rating. Gobert won three times defensive player of the year. That's which one he didn't win. It's the 13th one because the defense wasn't good enough. It's not just him. It's not his fault, but that's how we do this. I don't think it's going to be Gobert. We've only ever had two other four-time winners, Matumbo and Ben Wallace. Are we really going to put Gobert into that group with this season? That's like, uh, I don't really know who else to give it to. I think Giannis feels similarly. The Bucs are 15th in defense. I don't know how you give it to Giannis this season. It doesn't feel like he's been that dominant. So of those three, I think Bam Adebayo fits the mold. He's a fifth-year player. We've, uh, fifth year is very common for Defensive Player of the Year to win their first award. That's when Gobert won it. Draymond won in his fifth year. Dwight Howard, Marc Gasol, Metal World Peace. The Heat have been second in defensive rating over the last 15. So Adebayo, I think, is becoming the trendy pick. Um, I gave him out at plus 600 in the article last week. We gave him out at 20 to 1 on spaces a couple weeks ago. He's favored now at a couple of books. He's, he's pulled basically dead even with Rudy. Do you think Bam should be the favorite here? Really like Bam. I mean, he, he has missed a ton of games. It's hard to argue with that when you look at his on-off numbers. With him on the floor, they're allowing, allowing 105 points per one to possessions. With him off the floor, they're allowing 111. So that's a huge difference right there. Almost six points per one to possessions worse with him off the floor. But when I look at this Grizzlies team, Jaron Jackson Jr. is doing absolutely everything for this Grizzlies team. I don't know if you guys saw the game last week against the Knicks, but he absolutely take it. He absolutely took over defensively. And I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he's done. I think if I had a vote, I would vote for him personally, because I do think this Grizzlies team, they struggle to score in the half court. And a lot of their offense is based on what they do in transition and having a guy in Jaron Jackson Jr. who can clean up at, at the rim. It's, it's huge. So that, that would be my vote. And at plus 1600, 
I would want to take a flyer, but I don't know if he's getting the attention. So I think you're right about Bam. He is the favorite right now at plus 140. So I think you kind of got to roll with that. Yeah, it's interesting with Jaron. We didn't mention a couple other young guys. I've talked about Robert Williams on the podcast before. Matt has been a fan of Mikhail Bridges. The problem with young guys is this is such a reputation award. And only in the last 25 years, the only player who's won Defensive Player of the Year before their fifth season is Kawhi Leonard. And that was Kawhi Leonard coming off of back-to-back NBA finals. Like, we knew who he was. He had established himself. So maybe that gets Mikhail Bridges into the conversation coming off the finals. But that's the argument against Jaron Jackson, against Robert Williams. You got to win over these voters. And we're not paying attention to defense enough to take some time to do that. So I think it's going to be tough for those guys. I got to say, though, I'm seeing right now still, I'm about to blow your mind. And you're going to shoot this down like, like a bunch of fighter pilots coming down over me. I still right now, today, Monday, March 14th, am betting on Draymond Green to win Defensive Player of the Year. Here's why. 100 to 1 at points bet. This number is outrageous to me, and it has been up for an entire week right now. Draymond is back tonight. The Warriors still, still are number one in defensive rating. That's how good they were with Draymond for so long. They were miles ahead of everyone. They haven't been good lately. They've been bottom 10 for the last month. They're still number one. Draymond is number one in EPM defensively. Draymond has only had one defensive player of the year. I think voters would like him to get a second. He got snubbed off the 75-year team. Here's the problem. He can only max out at 48 games. And I know that's the argument, but Bam Adebayo can only max at 57 games. And he might even play all of those. He might get to like 55. So really, are those seven or eight games, that's the line? That's the spot where it's like, well, 55, 56, that's enough, but not 48. I just, I feel like in a year where there's not a clear favorite, Voters are going to look at this and somebody's going to say, am I really voting for Jaron Jackson or Robert Williams when I can just vote for Draymond, the guy that we all know is the best defender this year? I just think it's weird COVID times, injuries, missed time. I think Draymond is seriously alive here. If he comes back and the Warriors immediately look like the Warriors again and look like that defense again, I think is a real shot. Shoot me down. I think you shot down your argument with the 48 games and I can't argue with you because I mean, we did see the Warriors drop off a cliff defensively in some ways without Draymond Green, but 48 games is, is, is tough. But I mean, I'm not mad at you taking a flyer on that in a year where we don't have a clear cut favorite. I'm not mad at that. So we're going to go rapid fire for our next topic, make or miss the playoffs. We're going to start off with the Los Angeles Lakers who got absolutely taken into the deep waters and drowned last night. We got the Lakers. Yes to make the playoffs, plus 235. No, minus 300. What's your thoughts? I still have to bet the Lakers at plus money here. No, minus 300. That means that we're saying 75% chance that the Lakers are just out. They're just out of the playoffs. I can't get there. It still is LeBron, and I'm assuming Anthony Davis, unless the books know something I don't know, which is maybe Davis isn't back yet. That changes it for me because, boy, are they not good without him. But if you get arrested, Davis, you got LeBron, they're going to have to win twice. That's the problem here. But it's a home game against the Pelicans or the Blazers. Come on. They're huge favorites in that game. And then it's a road game against the Clippers. That's a home game, not a road game. Or it's a road or home game. Sorry, a road game against Minnesota. 
The Lakers have owned the Timberwolves. As a Wolves fan, trust me, I know. My entire life, the Lakers have owned the Timberwolves. I got to take Lakers here, plus 235. I'll bet on LeBron. The Lakers are dead as fried chicken, as Jules (laughs) and Pulp Fiction said. Look, when you look at this Lakers team, they are 3-10 and in their last 13 games. Two of the games required LeBron James to score 50 points. The other one was a complete meltdown by the Utah Jazz. If Anthony Davis doesn't come back, they're really, really in trouble. I'm having trouble finding three or four wins for this team over the course of the season. So I'm taking the no and I'm laying the juice. Let's move on. Move on to the Eastern Conference. I think they have some more of the interesting teams right now. We have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, minus 1,000 to make the playoffs. No plus 600. What's your thoughts on this? I know you mentioned that Scotty Barnes still has a shot, and if he has a shot, part of it is the Cavs melting down. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, so this is interesting because the Cavs are only one game ahead of Toronto now. Remember how we've had this as a top six and then a huge drop for everyone else? The Cavs have been sliding, sliding. They're only a game up, but they beat the Raptors twice already. So they have the tie break. So that's really a two game lead. Cleveland is at Toronto on March 24th. Toronto, that's basically a must win for the Raptors if they're going to pass Cleveland. Because look, if Cleveland is the sixth seed, they made the playoffs. They're in. It's done. That's it. Doesn't matter how bad they are when they get there. They can get swept by 100. They made the playoffs. They have to fall below Toronto. The Raptors have to win that game and then still pass them the rest of the way. And the Cavs still only drop to the seventh seed. They're still going to have to lose at home twice in knockout playoff games. I can't get there because Darius Garland has looked so good that to, to I'm assuming Jared Allen is back with Allen and Mobley, the defense as good as, as uh, Garland has looked, I can't get to all those things happening to fall out and lose twice at home in the playoffs. I could see it, but I can't see at the number. I think you like the Cavs to miss the playoffs though. Do you really feel like all those things can happen and knock them out? I do, and I think that the loss of Jared Allen is really a problem. This is a team with, like, really one playmaker in, in Darius Garland. They're really struggling to score the basketball. They're 3-6 and six post-All-Star break. But it's not the same team that we saw previously, and they have a net rating of minus 5, which is, you know, 20th among the league right now. So, look, at plus 600, I think there's some value. Look, I've been giving out the Raptors to miss the postseason at plus – 300. So I think if you get, if you get both of those, I think one of those two teams are going to miss the postseason. So I think there's some value there. I mean, while we're on it, your thoughts on the Raptors, they're yes to make the playoffs at two minus 295. Their no is plus 220 currently. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't hate the no on that one. We've talked about the Raptors. They're just, they're a weird team. They're going to be so matchup dependent Mm -hmm. and it's easy for me to see a picture where they hit the no there. Obviously, again, if you pass Cleveland, you're in. That's it. You lost the bet. If they don't, you're probably at home. Well, you're at home, but you're at home against maybe the Nets. Probably you're going to have to beat the, either the Nets or the Hawks or whoever the other team is. I kind of like the Hawks. They're playing a little better. Trey Young has been really good lately. We know how they give the Nets should be, that they shouldn't be in that play-in race. I can see a world where the Raptors at the seven seed, lose at home twice. I don't hate the plus 220 there. I'm not sure it's the best bet for me, but all of these ones we're talking about, I think it's got pretty good value. 
I, I can see that. So you say you like the Hawks. And I think the Hawks are an interesting team. We actually have them at the yes, plus 180 to make the playoffs. We have no minus 250. I think the interesting thing about the Hawks is that the Hawks have a top three offense. They're third in offensive rating, scoring 115 points, 400 possessions. But the defense is, I mean, it's equally as inept as their offense is great. They're allowing 115 points per one possessions, 27th in the NBA. And for whatever reason, look, we typically see teams like the Hawks or the Blazers who have a top five offense and their offense can carry them to the postseason. But the Hawks aren't. And like right now, they're playing for a playing game spot. They're just ninth in the Eastern Conference at 33 and 34. So do you think they make the playoffs? I think they have a real shot. I don't mind the Hawks here. I like the plus 180 on the yes. Atlanta is battle-tested from last year's run. I'm not too worried about them having to win a road game. Toronto or Brooklyn is not exactly an atmosphere I'm, I'm nervous about them going into. Trey Young is going to give them a shot. I like the variance of having that all-offense, no-defense team. In a one-game setting, Like if I'm looking, it's March Madness season, I like these teams that are all-in on one thing. The Hawks are all-in on offense. Why can't Atlanta go out and drop 130 on the Nets if they have to beat them? Why can't they play the Toronto and the Raptors can't score anyway, no matter how bad the Hawks defense is and the Hawks have enough scoring to get past that weird, stingy Raptors defense. I don't hate them in either one of those matchups. So I feel like Atlanta has you know, a real good shot to get in here. They're definitely going to be in the plan. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I'm just struggling with their defense so much right now. It's just like they're a team that if Trey Young doesn't show up and offense doesn't show up, then they can't yeah. win games. I mean, they they had a winnable game against Detroit last week, and Trey Young shot poorly, so they lost. So I think that's my that's my only drawback from them, and I can't really play any futures on them. I think I want to play them game to game. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Kyrie Irving, he still can't play home games, but, I mean, Kevin Durant is carrying this team. They are plus 550 to miss the postseason, minus 1,000 to make it. Are you taking a flyer on the Nets to miss it? I'm taking the flyer, man. I'm going down with the ship on this one. I do not think the Nets will miss the playoffs, but at plus 550, I like the number. Here's the thing. Even if they stay at the eight seed, and I don't know that I'm betting on that right now. We don't know. Kyrie can only play four more games this season based on the schedule. We don't know if Ben Simmons will ever play basketball again. Durant is playing out here with like a bunch of YMCA scrubs, and that's the team every night. Even if they stay at the eighth seed, basically, you know, let's say that you're you're on the road in Toronto, but no Kyrie. So maybe even if you like Brooklyn, maybe you're 60% to win that game without Kyrie. That's generous, I think. If you lose that, now you're at home, no Kyrie, and you're up against, let's say, the Hawks. Even if you're generous again, 65% to win that one, even with those scenarios, you're 85% to, to advance to the playoffs the no is implying 15%. So even as generous as we've been, that still gives you decent odds, basically even odds on the no. However, fall to the nine seed, you're going to win twice now, twice without Kyrie. And now I think even as if you can be as generous as you want to how the Nets could be good, you're still maybe like 50-50 to make the playoffs at that point. We know the Nets are going to be favored. You're going to have chances to hedge out of it. At plus 550, I think that there's serious value Besides, look, Kevin Durant could just get hurt in the next month. I hope it doesn't happen. Knock on wood. But if Durant's hurt, like, that's, this is free money at this point, right? Like, 
there's a lot of outs for how the Nets could miss the playoffs here. I think the one interesting thing is that you have the Raptors sitting currently in the seventh seed, and you have the Nets sitting currently in the AC. And if those two were to meet in the play-in tournament, Kyrie isn't eligible to play in Toronto, and there's no law that's going to change in Canada. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, there's a chance that Kyrie can play some home games if, you know, they can work it out with the mayor, but it's not changing in, in, in Canada. So that's a tough situation to not have Kyrie for because if they lose that game, they have just one other chance of making a playoffs. We got two more teams left, and we're going to close this thing out. We got the Charlotte Hornets. Plus 450 to make the playoffs. No minus 700. Do the Charlotte Hornets have a shot? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, they have a shot. They're live, I suppose. But I'm not even sure that they make the, the play-in for sure. I could see them falling out. I think they're, they're relatively safe now. But I don't see them winning twice in a play-in game. Young, inexperienced team. I, I don't want to bet on it. I'm not going to bet the no because I don't think it's worth the price. But I, I'm out on the Hornets. Totally agree with that. And I think we got the last team. We got the New Orleans Pelicans coming out of the all-star break after they traded for CJ McCollum. We got the yes plus 570 to make the playoffs. We got the no minus 900. And then Brandon Ingram, he injured his hamstring. And I, I mean, this team was looking really, really good. Like they were top two in defensive rating coming out of all-star break. They were really shutting teams down. They could score. They won four straight. And then Right after that, they, they, they went on a losing streak. So it was like, I really wanted to take this and I wanted to give it out. And, and now it's looking like there's just no value. I think this team is going to miss the postseason. I mean, do you, I mean, do you agree with that? Or, or I mean, do you want to take a flyer on that? Yeah. No, I'm pretty much with you. Their defense had really surprised me over the last month or so, but the Ingram injury hurts. It's just a tough route. You know, we don't know what those LA teams are going to be, but the Pelicans are going to have to win twice against two quality opponents that, like, frankly, are better than them. Whatever the Pelicans have been, the opponents are still better. So I'm with you. I can't get there on them. Well, yeah, I mean, that's our podcast. Broke down all the season awards. We broke down make or miss the playoffs. I'm Raheem Power from the Action Network. We got Brandon Anderson, the NBA Futures Analyst. We got so much content at the Action Network right now. Look, it's March Madness, so you want to check out the Big Bets on Campus podcast. Raheem Palmer, Brandon Anderson signing off, and y'all know how it's going down. <laughs>